What's up? It's Andy Grammer with Jag. Hi, this is Carly Rae Jepsen, and you're listening to Jag. Hi, everybody. It's Joe Jonas hanging with Jag. This is Heather Knox with the hottest Jag I've ever seen. Ryan Seacrest with Jag. It's B.O.B. checking in with my homie Jag. So much swag with my homie Jag. It's the Jag Show podcast. Welcome into the Jag Show. Really excited to have with me today Tim O'Brien from O'Brien Communications in Pittsburgh. Thanks for taking a few minutes with me today, sir. It's a pleasure to be with you, John. So the reason I'm having you on the show today is a column that you wrote earlier in May on Podcast Business Journal about social media not being a good enough way to promote your podcast. And I love what you had to say in this article. For anybody who hasn't seen it, can you walk us through some of the main points of it? Well, I think the main point was, and I wrote the piece for Podcast Business Journal, but I belong to a number of Facebook groups for podcasters, and I talk to a lot of podcasters, and there's this nagging myth that your number of followers on social media correlates to the number of downloads you're going to get. Mm. There's this assumption, and I've seen it over and over again, and I've seen people people more expert than me try to put that myth to rest, but at the same time, it continues. So I thought I'd weigh in on the same thing. And I just based it on my own experience. I, I've been podcasting for two years and I've tried different ways to grow audience, some more effective than others, but I've also maintained a, a solid social media program. So I now have a two-year track record of evidence to support my opinion that is uh, that Social media is sort of one of those important things to have. It's nice to have, but it's not a requirement to get your audience up. I think for a lot of people, Tim, the idea is, I don't want to say it's on autopilot, but I think for a lot of folks, it's okay. I've created my episode. I've published my episode. Maybe I create a you know a cute little audiogram with some video or a quick 60-second clip out of the podcast. And I blast it out to all my followers on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn and wherever else. And okay, if you build it, they will come. But that is really not the case. No, no. And in fact, you brought up a good point when you mentioned the audiogram, because I don't want to talk about anything unless I've tried it myself. Mm-hmm. Even if I knew going in, it may not have mattered as much. So I have tried audiograms and I've created custom mini videos separate from audiograms. I've tried those things on my podcast and I've also watched how other people do it. And and I think there's this other issue that's kind of related to social media. And that is very shortly after a lot of people start podcasts, they start asking questions. Should I simulcast it on video or should I do mm-hmm. my podcast on video and audio? And I have an opinion there, only I haven't tried it on video, so it's not based on my own experience. But basically, my feeling is, and this kind of goes to what Dave Jackson often says, is you have to make sure that you throw as much of your effort into making a great podcast that serves the needs of your audience or the people that you think are your audience, and then work outward from there. And a lot of people, they do a... um, a serviceable podcast, and then they start trying to get into the bells and whistles, the video and the and the social media and those types of things. So based on my experience, I would say that you really need to focus on the podcast itself and then work your way out from there. So my background is in radio. I worked as a radio DJ for 15 years before I got into the podcasting world professionally, same as you about two years ago. One of the things that one of my early mentors in radio taught me was the worst thing for a bad product is good marketing. 
<laughs> Your point is well taken about if the product itself isn't any good, I don't care if you spend a million dollars in Facebook ads to blast the thing out to the whole planet. If it's not good, people aren't going to listen. Right, right. It, it is so important to do that. Like you said, I mean, what if you do all this great marketing and people tune in and the audio's bad and the interviews mm -hmm. are poorly done and the podcast is not properly edited? And I think one of the things, I, I'm in the PR business and I've been in the PR business for decades and I work across all media. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've known for a long time, just based on that experience, and I started in broadcasting, people, when they tune in, whether it's audio or video, they expect production values that they're used to seeing on television. And like you said, you have that experience of radio. They tune into a podcast and they expect the basic production values to be as good as they are on radio. Mm. They may not say it, but they want the audio to sound good. They want the quality of the product. They want the interviews to sound good. And they expect that. And there's so many good podcasts out there that are that good. So... Anybody that gets into podcasting needs to know. They may not view these other people as competitors, and maybe they're not, but they do need to know that the listener sets a high bar for them when they come in. Do you think, Tim, that that bar has changed at all in the last couple months with coronavirus, where we sometimes will turn on the local news and we'll see a reporter on AirPods in an echoey room in their house, or, here I am with the weather today, and do you feel like... There, the bar has been lowered a little bit because of what we've seen with professional broadcasters? You know, it's funny you say that. I I have wondered that myself, and I've come down on the side, no. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, because this goes back to the, the PR kind of things that I've done, and you know this too probably from broadcasting. When you watch those network and local TV broadcasters do these homemade telecasts, <laughs> if you look carefully... You'll see how contrived a lot of that is. You'll see very good lighting with some bad audio. So you'll see that those anchors were actually made to look like they did it themselves when an hour beforehand they had a tech or two or three techs in their room making it look like it was, <laughs> it was this homemade telecast. But the important details are not neglected. The people who are giving these reports know what they're going to say. They have usually very well-organized thoughts and mm -hmm. reports, and they come prepared. And I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions among new podcasters is they don't realize how much effort goes into making it look effortless, and even with these homemade things. But to your other point, I, I think since the pandemic started, we've seen a lot of different production values from professional broadcasters. We've seen a lot of regular podcasters say that their download numbers are down yeah. because commuting is down, gyms are closed, and that's where a lot of people listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the whole pandemic has disrupted people's listening routine, and that's affected download numbers. On the other hand, I'm, I'm hearing other podcasters say that their downloads are up because people are home. I think it's a wash in the end, but I think at the end, the number of podcasts is now over a million. Right. And I, I think as more podcasts get out there, we are going to find that the ones that sound the best, that have the best audio quality, they're just going to get more listeners because people know that they can find a podcast out there that's easy to hear. It's sometimes that basic. You can understand what they're saying. For me, the number one tune-out factor for a podcast is bad audio, and the number two tune-out factor for me is bad content. It's got to sound professional, and if I'm not interested in the content, I'm gone. Right. To your point earlier about video, where I think a lot of folks 
get distracted by all these, you know, shiny objects, including, oh, well, and I've got the podcast and now, now I know how to turn on my microphone. So now I should be doing video and all this stuff. <laughs> my background, again, in radio is that there's an intimacy to audio. And again, pandemic notwithstanding, you can go to the gym, you can be in your car. And I always tell clients, you can't watch a YouTube video while you're driving, or at least you really shouldn't. Audio goes in places that video can't. And while there's so much buzz, I'd imagine you've seen from your business, you know, with internet video, there's a certain intimacy to audio. If you think about your favorite morning show host growing up at the radio, that video can't duplicate. So there's really something special about audio, I feel. And I, and I wish less podcasters would get distracted by that shiny object of video. That's my first love, audio. I started in radio in college working for an NPR affiliate and then I worked for KDK Radio for a couple of years, and then as a TV producer there as well. And then I've worked in audio since. And to your point, the reason it's my first love is because it is so intimate. Mm -hmm. And I think if you really think about it, how many really great radio personalities do video at the same time? Now, you have a few now, mm -hmm. but for the most part, they don't because they realize that it's tough enough to create a great audio broadcast. And if you do a podcast where you don't have to do it live and you can edit it, mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing. By not doing video, you can make your podcast more perfect. Yeah. When you do video, you're kind of stuck with the way things are said. You have to leave a lot of things in because the video would look choppy if you didn't. Right. So that's a big hurdle. Or it'll be a massive undertaking to do all that video editing and, and smooth it out. It would take you hours. It would probably take minutes to do in editing just the audio. Mm -hmm. We go back to the main crux of your article about the social media not being enough. And I think one of the really good points that you made in there is that podcast audiences and social media audiences are not the same thing. I always tell clients, I'd rather have 20 dedicated listeners to my podcast than a thousand likes on Facebook because those podcast listeners are more engaged and you have their undivided attention and, or maybe not their undivided attention, but you have more of their attention than it takes to like a cat video, for example. <laughs> Whereas social media uh, likes and retweets and you name it tend to be sort of this fleeting thing. It only takes a moment and not much effort to interact with it. A podcast is a lot more of a time commitment, and you really drew up the difference between those two subsets in your piece that you wrote for Podcast Business Journal, I thought. It's worth talking about social media, the animal of social media, speaking mm. of cat cat videos. <laughs> it's a, I think the animal of social media you have to understand is, let's suppose you post something on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn, three places where you might put a photo. Hmm. Or you might link to an article with, that has a photo. So many people hit that like button and they never read the article. They never <laughs> bother reading it. Or they might watch the first 10 seconds of the video, if that. So they'll just keep liking a bunch of things and they'll move on and they move on. And it's, it's almost like a buffet for them. They just keep moving right through. And that's the exercise of social media. So many people that use social media don't even remember at the end of the day how many things they liked or, <laughs> you know, loved or celebrated. So many of those things they just do in passing with no thought. And I think the point of podcasting is we do require, even though we don't require people's undivided attention the way video does, we do require them to listen. And my download numbers are pretty interesting because my average podcast is about 35 minutes long and my average mm -hmm. listener length is about 30 minutes. So, and I think that's pretty common in the industry is most people 
when they click onto a podcast, they stick with it till the end. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty rare. I, I was really surprised at that when I first saw that, when I first got into podcasting, but it's held up all the way through. And I, I think that's one of the big differences. So people listen to podcasts, they give you their time, they mentally engage with what you're saying the whole time that they are listening. And that is such a big difference from social media. So when people say, I want to get... 50,000 followers on Instagram, and I want to get 100,000 followers on YouTube, those followers are not nearly as loyal, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. as podcast listeners. And when I hear from my podcast listeners, I don't have a lot of podcast listeners by comparison to some, but when I hear from them, they want to talk about the things we talked about in the podcast. They really are engaged. And it's amazing to me. I heard a story just, I, I mentioned it in my upcoming episode next week, but I got a, an email from one of my listeners in California and his wife visits a prison for women in California. Hmm. And he told me that his wife shares my podcast with these female inmates. Huh. And her goal was to help them turn their lives around. Now, my podcast is not a mo motivational speaking type of podcast. It's And I wouldn't imagine you're targeting women's prisons when you started <laughs> it out. <laughs> they weren't in my demographic. But uh, <laughs> it, it is interesting, the power, the surprising power of a podcast that you never know once you start doing this. So I, I think going back to your point, if you can have 20 or 30 engaged listeners and you make a difference for them in some way, that is when you're really building an engaged audience in a relationship. And that is more powerful than a hundred social media followers. And that's based on my experience. Now, some people who have cult followings on social media, people like the Kardashians yeah. or fashion people, maybe that's a different story, but your average podcaster is going to get more traction out of building that relationship through the medium, through the actual medium of podcasting than around it. But I think everything I'm saying, I can hear somebody out there saying, well, that's nice, Tim, but how do you, how do you let people know your podcast exists if you're not using social media? That was my next question, Tim. What other, what <laughs> other tools would you recommend employing to make sure you can grow your audience and a, and a dedicated audience on your podcast? Well, this wasn't my idea. I've seen other people say it, but it's true. What I'm doing with you right now is a good example of it. If you can be on other people's podcasts, here's what happens. The people listening to you may never have heard of my podcast, but they are podcast listeners. So they've already proven that they're willing to listen mm -hmm. to a podcast. And if they like what I'm saying now, they might give Shaping Opinion a try, you know, so they might put that on their list of things to check out. And the more you talk to other podcasters on their podcast, you're going to start creating awareness of your podcast among qualified potential listeners. And I've been told that I resisted that at first myself, I have <laughs> to admit, but I found that it's true. Every time that I have done another podcast interview or when I've, when I've had another podcaster plug me on their podcast, that sometimes that's all you need to make your podcast more aware to their listeners. And I try to do it then again on my podcast as well. My podcast, I don't usually interview a lot of other podcasters, but what I try to do is I will have them read things. So if I have a passage or a piece, of, like last year I, I did um, an episode on, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. So <laughs> I, I had two, I had a couple other podcasters do readings from that letter 
and the little girl who wrote the letter, Virginia, a podcaster I know, I had his daughter read that. And that helps give them exposure on my podcast. So different things like that. So you and I don't have to convince each other of the power of podcasting. We've been talking for several minutes now about the dedicated loyal audience. And, you know, in this case, fish where the fish are to go find uh, more podcast audiences. As podcasting continues to grow, what do you think, and it's kind of a broad question here, I'm springing on you, but what do you think the industry can do or needs to do to really grow the medium in terms of revenue and making it more of an overall player? That's obviously a, a, a big question. I think we probably have to look at the way advertising is interspersed into other media. So if you look at how YouTube has done it, uh, you look at how some of these platforms are doing it now, like Stitcher and other places, they're putting advertising into podcasts. Now, I'm an indie, and when I hear an ad before or after my podcast on Stitcher, I don't get any of that money. So I think at some point they may have to wrestle with that when you have these podcasters providing free content and they're the ones making all the money. I think those are issues that lie ahead for them. But by and large, I think it's going to come down to an advertising model. For me, mine is a branded podcast for my business. It's sort of an institutional brand because I'm not out there talking about public relations for every episode. So it's not like I'm literally trying to show my yeah. my services in my podcast, but it is an institutional branding device. And I use it that way. And the people that listen to my podcast are from all over the place. But the people I do business with, a lot of people I do business with are regular listeners. And really, if you have to ask me, who's my business audience for this? It's them. Mm-hmm. When they tell me I listened to this episode and I liked it, I am paying attention to what my clients are telling me because I am at the end of the day trying to create a high quality podcast that they would want to spend their time doing and in an indirect way that keeps me and my firm top of mind for them without hitting them over the head with PR topics the whole time. I do love the independent uh, and the cooperative space of podcasting. It reminds me of what radio was when I first got into it. And, you know, for a little backstory here on Tim and myself, we've never met in person. I saw his column on Podcast Business Journal. I tweeted it. He tweeted me back. And I said, hey, would you come on my show? And he said, yes. That's uh, We've had interactions for not even a week at this point, And he's on my show, which is what I love about the cooperative space of podcasting. I like the atmosphere as well. The relationships you build with each other, you also build similar relationships with your listeners. It's amazing to me the kinds of things you hear from your listeners and how accessible people are. And then to your other point, I've done the same thing myself. And there are people that are in the podcasting hall of fame. Yes. There are people that are so much more accomplished in podcasting than me. And I'm always amazed at how accessible they are whenever I've tried to reach out to them. I did the same thing. Uh, Evo Terra, who had the 40th podcast ever, I saw something that he wrote and I reached out to him. And next thing you know, he's on my podcast. And I don't want to be presumptuous and say we're the best of friends, but we, we, we've struck up a relationship and it's been great. Um, so Tim, tell me about your podcast and about your business since you do use it as sort of a tool, a branded podcast for your business, which is something I specialize in doing for a lot of clients as well. But feel free to tell me about the show and about O'Brien Communications. Sure. Well, the podcast is called Shaping Opinion and we're now into about 120 some episodes at this point. Mm-hmm. And we've interviewed... I started out thinking that it would be kind of like this anatomy of a 
of a communications story. Mm-hmm. And I, as the interviews came along and, and the podcast evolved, it became a little bit more broad than that. But the tagline has been the same the whole time, and it's pretty much the mission of the thing. We talk about people, events, and things that have shaped the way we think. Mm-hmm. I look for topics that somehow had an effect on our outlook on society in some way. And the way I do it is I interview somebody. Sometimes that person was directly involved. Sometimes they're just an expert on the topic, but they're usually passionate about the topic. And they basically tell the story of something or somebody or some event. And at the end of the episode, I'm hoping that we see why this thing was important in the way we see the world. And two weeks ago, I I talked to someone who wrote a book about Marilyn Monroe, and she became the epitome of the blonde bombshell and the Hollywood beauty queen. Sure. So all we did was talk about her life. But at the end of the episode, you can get an appreciation for the role she played in creating this thing that really didn't exist before her. Yeah. So that's one example. And today I interviewed uh, Fred Hirsch. He's a jazz pianist. And Fred is a very accomplished jazz pianist. He's probably the best of our generation. And years from now, his legacy will still be felt when we're all gone. So I talked to Fred and we talked about his life. And in the course of that, I think you learn a little bit about jazz and the role it plays in culture. I talked to Regis McKenna early on, and he was Apple's first marketing guru. I talked to Liz Dolan, and she was the head of marketing at Nike when they came up with Just Do It. So we talked about the story behind. One of my more popular episodes, I talked to Rob Parisi. He was the lead singer of Wild Cherry, Mm -hmm. and he wrote the song Play That Funky Music. Right. It's one of the top 100 all-time songs, believe it or not. I mean, it was a, it's just, it's continues to have a rebirth. So we talked about the anatomy of that song. And I was amazed at how many people from 20 years old to 60 years old responded to that episode. So that was a case of studying a song and finding out what it was about that thing that gave it staying power in the public's mind. Okay. So those are the kind of things we've talked about in 120 episodes. And I think that's why I sort of indirectly connect it to communications. And then my business is corporate communications. So I deal with marketing, strategic planning, crisis and issues management. So during this pandemic, I've been doing a lot of crisis work. Yeah. You know, things with hospitals and nursing homes and people like that. And also writing and media relations, publicity. So I do those types of things for clients and that's my business. So the people that hire me for that, they sometimes need a break from talking about pandemics or crisis communications. Don't we all? (laughs) And that's why they like the podcast. Anything for a break right now, I know, and I've said this in my show before, but my wife and I have, our news consumption has significantly dropped off over these last couple of weeks because we just feel like we need a break. We're binging old episodes of Hawaii Five-0 and <laughs> doing escapism at night. It's, it's a lot better than watching the nightly news. Right. Well, that's another thing. I, I, I did 120 some episodes with a guest and I did one episode without a guest where it was shortly after the pandemic started. And my whole purpose of it, it was a monologue based on a blog post that I wrote. And it was basically how not to let fear and panic take control. And one of the recommendations in that podcast episode was exactly what you said. Sometimes it's important for your own outlook to take a break from the news. You don't have to watch the news 24-7, even if it's on 24-7. A couple of weeks ago on a Tuesday, I took a mental health day 
and I bought, uh, I'm going to give away my age here, but I bought one of those retro Super Nintendos and I plugged it in and I just played a Zelda game all day. And I just unplugged for, well, not unplugged, I guess, but unplugged from the news and the outside world for a day. And it, it was, it did wonders for me because it just, I was able to turn everything else off for 24 hours and it was absolutely worth it. Yeah. I think you can, just like you ration yourself on food when you're on a diet, you can ration yourself on information and you can check in with the news once a day. You can put yourself on a schedule. Yeah. So if you feel like you, you don't want to miss something you can still budget that time. And then once you do, turn it off. And because the goal of the news on TV is to make you watch and, and to keep you tuned yep. in. I live in Pittsburgh and we get snow every year. And I'm amazed now at how the TV news stations treat snow as though it's this epic event. It's an <laughs> annual event. It usually comes many times a winter. But uh, every time it happens, they act like it never happened before. I wanted to purposely wait till the end of the podcast to reveal that I'm a native Bostonian, considering I'm talking to a, a Pittsburgher. I didn't want any kind of, you know, football uh, tension here. So, well, there's no tension. It's it sounds like your new tension will be with Tampa Bay. <laughs> Fair enough, Tim O'Brien from O'Brien Communications in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for the time today. Really appreciate your insight, and I think it's an important point to drive home, especially about social media not being the panacea for growing your podcast well thank you very much for having me john it was a pleasure and i love your podcast i appreciate that sir take care thanks for listening to the jag show podcast if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe in apple spotify google or wherever you get your podcasts new episodes are published every tuesday and friday morning for help with your podcast find jag on social media at jag in detroit or on the web at jagindetroit.com.